0: let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds to hear and perceive your word for us this day. Amen. Amen. It's quite difficult to do a sermon on today's readings because we have a lovely, yet another lovely sunny day, and uh probably a bit fed up of it now, but... <laughs> But then today's readings are really quite horrible, especially the story of John the Baptist being beheaded. They're quite testing, in fact. And yet we do live in testing times. I wonder how many times you have heard the phrase by politicians, leaders, family, and friends, that we live in testing times. We seem to live in a world constantly embattled by politics, disasters and terrorist attacks. The news is full of Donald Trump protesters at the moment and rumors of the possible possibility of the Prime Minister being ousted by that fuzzy-haired chap. Worries over Brexit and the heat wave across the world, fueling increased concerns about climate change. So we live in testing times. However, being tested is something, as fellow followers of Christ, we are used to, or at least should be. I'm not going to sugarcoat all the problems in the world by using the well-worn cliché everything happens for a reason. Because sometimes there is no reason, no logic or explanation for what has happened. Sometimes we may say, well, it's all in God's plan, as a way of trying to make sense of the irrational, of the tragedies in life. And yet, if we truly believe our God is a God of love, why would God do anything that was not out of love? God does not will our heartache and suffering, or our losses because he is not running some sort of cause and effect experiment from the sky. So why do we have the phrase being tested as if God has prepared an exam for us? A better way to look at testing as is as something God allows. God allows us to be tested so that our response alters us, transforms us into being more Christ-like. When God tests his children, his purpose is to prove that our faith is real. Not that God needs to prove it to himself, since he knows all things, but he is proving to us that our faith is real, that we truly are his children, and that no trial will overcome our faith. The passages we heard from Amos and Mark both illustrate God's testing and the results of that testing. Amos brings us a vision of the Lord standing with a plumb line in his hand. The plumb line is such an earthy age-old measurement with a simple string and a weight a wall can be determined as standing truly upright or not. So in Amos' vision, God uses a plumb line to separate the true from the untrue. The believer who claims to have every spiritual blessing and gift may actually reveal a different story when the plumb line of divine testing is applied to their life and the person will know the true reality of their claims. Having gifts is one thing, but not using them or having them tested is like letting good fruit rot and go to waste. God doesn't make us suffer for his sport. No, he wants us to yield good fruit in our lives, and sometimes that means a little pruning needs to happen. In Mark, we have an example of two lives where God's plumb line has been used to full effect. One life has been transformed, altered, into one of righteousness and holiness. The other one has devolved into something, well, very displeasing to God. I am, of course, talking about John the Baptist and Herod. John the Baptist is the messenger of God. He was the forerunner of Jesus. Here in Mark is the only story that isn't focused on Jesus. However, John's life was a pattern of Jesus's life because he was tried, condemned, and executed. John was out of favor with the officials and Herod because of his outspoken objection to the way people were living their lives. They lived for themselves and not for God. However, for Herod, John posed a threat to his desire to be king of the Jews. Herod understood the Jews very well and knew the best way to get into their good books and become accepted as their king would be to continue his father's project of rebuilding the temple. But John's insistence of living out in the wilds, baptising all who came to him, upstaged the meaning of the temple. Also, John said that Herod's aspirations were out of line, and as for marrying his brother's wife, well, whoever heard of a wannabe messiah doing that? God's plumb line clearly shows that Herod was not a true character. He was not holy despite his aspirations, whereas John was holy because he knew what he was set apart from the world to serve God alone. These passages, passages are a reminder to us today that discipleship is not all sunshine and roses, that there is a price to pay. The book of Mark was written to inspire the little com- Christian communities who were experiencing hardship and persecution at the time. Although living here we may not experience such persecution as violent as back then or even in p- other parts of the world today, we too can sometimes feel disillusioned and weary. At such times we need to remind ourselves that our reward is not about being successful or triumphant, but through being secure in the knowledge that each one of us here is faithfully serving God's purpose in the world. If you do not feel that security, then perhaps God is whispering to you to talk a little more to him, to discover his call on your life and to go out into the community as one of God's holy people, set apart from the common ambitions society thrusts upon us, and live as Christ did, loving God and all people that come our way. Amen.